I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Balls. Gents, it's time to make your testies your besties with Manscaped. The Manscaped brand have made their way over to England and we're one of the only podcasts giving you the chance to stop nipping your balls with your two-blade bick. Now, I'm not going to lie, there's nothing worse than a guy who doesn't take care of their crown jewels. There's hair everywhere, it's sweaty, and not great for your partner. Trust me. Dana, don't worry, the Lawnmower 3.0 from Manscaped is unbelievable. Features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. The ball deodorant and moisturiser, by the way, absolutely unbelievable. It's going to turn things from a Frankenstein to a Frankenfine. And, as a Borough Breakdown listener, you'll get 20% off everything at manscaped.com with the discount code Borough20. Your balls will thank you. Port, Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for What's Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Emerson! Welcome back to the Bore Breakdown podcast. We're live on Red Army Radio. And if you listen to us on the podcast apps, welcome. I'm Johnny. I'm with Dana and Elliot. And well, Middlesbrough made it five points for a possible nine with two draws and a win, leaving Borough in 13th place in the championship table. Dana, um, Borough now unbeaten in six league games. The joint fourth best defence in the league. The fifth best um, in the whole 92 uh, teams. Are you surprised with Borough in the, in the first seven games? Because it's been a, a nice little surprise for me. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Compared to last season, it was um, it was difficult last season given the uh, the start that that we'll get. So the finish of of Jonathan will get at, at Middlesbrough. Um, you know, it it was it was one of those games yesterday that I think was always going to be tough. It was always going to be difficult. They were always going to pick up the second balls. They were always going to be physical. It was never going to be an entertaining watch. And, you know, we, we did relatively well. I think, again, like the Bristol City game, we had a game plan and, and we executed it really well. And it was a, it was a good point. I, I must admit, I am surprised because we have become more solid uh, defensively, which was an issue under Woodgate. And uh, I think, like Tom said, the Bristol City, ahead uh, of the Bristol City game about the Reading game, 
that was a game that we would have lost under Woodgate, and I think the mm-hmm. the Cardiff game was probably another that we would have lost as well. Yeah, we look we look very organised and, and defensively very shrewd um, in this season. Elson, like Dana's been mentioning there, well, she's been quite happy with the, the general performance so far, but this week we faced the, the, the top two form teams in, in Reading and Bristol City. Obviously, Reading are five points clear now on the championship table. Bristol City, who were unbeaten at the time, managed to get a result there. And we obviously, we've played against Cardiff, who were the playoff semi-finalists uh, in, in the COVID season as well. So how do you think Borough have fared in the, in the, in, in the last week? Is, is there a reason for Borough fans to be optimistic? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I think, you know, as you mentioned with those games there, I think when we were going into it, people would be expected at least one defeat out of all of it. Um, you know, I think just looking at the sort of nature of the games and the, and the way we played um, gives us confidence going forward. I think we, I think maybe in myself, I maybe doubted the fact that we could have done it, but I should have been maybe a bit more sort of you know confident in, in sort of our own ability, especially given what Neil Warnock's done um, over his career. I think we're always going to kind of play this sort of way in which we are, where it's kind of you know kick it long and, and win the second balls and it, it as it was alluded to on commentary yesterday it's not very pretty to watch at times but um you know we are so defensively organized and it's such a contrast to last season um you know we have to be we have to be really happy about that yeah well neil harris said yesterday that middlesbrough are a very direct team um, i mean they are as well which <laughs> <laughs> is the most stupidest comment ever I mean that's why you've bought four uh, four planks of wood and two massive centre forwards <laughs> to go up front but you're not the, a direct the, the team sec- the second half highlight started with a long throwing <laughs> yeah yeah, and I was like uh, you know fair enough we are a direct team but you know the, the, the whole game was um, both teams were trying to play exactly the same yeah there was a couple of flashes of, of moments from people like Harry Wilson and um, maybe like a Tav or a Johnson who who will try and maybe dribble a little bit but on the whole um, there's not a lot of players out there who are you know going to skip past people it was just a, a very big physical game and it was you know <laughs> both of the goals came from set pieces so. yeah it, it definitely wasn't one for the, for, for the neutrals but um then let's chat about Cardiff then. Um, obviously, it's a game where we're a change formation. We moved to a four-three-three. I know so many times on this podcast you've said that I hate four-three-three. Borough <laughs> should never play. Should never play. You feel a little bit uneasy. Um, how did you feel when you see Borough set up in that shape? And do you think Borough coped quite well on uh, on Saturday? Yeah, I, I must admit when I saw that it was a four-three-three, I was I was sort of expecting the worst, but. In fairness, the reason why I don't like four three three is because I feel as though going forward it it sort of stifles us. I mean, we're not the most openly expressive attacking team to start with, but with that four three three, we don't have that that real link between the the midfield and the attack. And I think that you know against um, Cardiff yesterday, you saw that Chubrat Pom was really doing nothing. <laughs> you know, and there was nothing for him to do because there was no real quality of service into him, but. The thing, the pos- the real positive about the four three three is that defensively we were solid, and with the three five two that we usually play, we get caught in behind or we can get get, uh, get caught in behind. So the four three three, listen, I don't really like it just because of Borough going forward, looking at it from an attacking point of view. Unless it's like Neil Warnock's first game in charge, where you had the front three of Roberts, uh, Sombolonga, and, and Fletcher, that was sort of quite interchanging between Fletcher and, and Britt. But uh, defensively, it was it was solid. 
you know, Dill Fry had a really uh, another really good game. I thought he was he was physical. Kiefer Moon was a, f- a threat with his um, physical ability and, and and you know his power in the air. But I thought Dill was was really strong, which has been a criticism of of him um, that I've had. He's never really been strong. I think he's been weak in aerial duels and and that big physical battle. But yesterday, I think he did he did really well. The defense was solid. So I think the four three three worked yesterday. Yeah, it's um we've we've changed quite a lot from the from the previous season. Really, I think last year we we were defensively awful, and then we couldn't go forward and we couldn't score goals. And we're going to come on to that a little bit later on. I've got a nice little creativity piece which I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, ask you about. Um, but Els, it was a really really scrappy game yesterday. Um, we we took the lead obviously thanks to a, a set piece from Tavernier and a lovely lovely header from from a Georgie boy. Um, to to give Borough the lead and oh well, apparently on BBC T's we called him uh, George uh, Savinelli. If if you want if you want to take <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I heard someone at um, time refer to him as. Yeah. So if you want to call him that, then so be it. We will call him Savinelli from now on. Um, but what I think are you surprised that we scored from a set piece? Because I can't remember the last time we actually did. Um, and two, do you think on the balance of play, do you think Borough pretty much deserved to to go ahead at the time? Uh, to the first question, I think obviously, yeah, I think we could be a little bit surprised, um, just because we haven't of late and we were quite poor from them last season. But um, I, I don't kind of have the numbers to hand, but I think it'll become a big avenue for us um, going forward. And I think um, you know it might not look as though we have the the tallest players, but I think I think they're working on the set piece players. For George Savile to, he had two men on him. Um, I think mm. one of them was Kiefer Moore, was it? I think one of them was Will Vox, which Will we'll Vox, get on yeah. to later. And, I have some Kiefer opinions. Um, okay. But yeah, uh, you know, it was a, a lovely cushioned header that he, it wasn't even like he used strength really. It was just kind of like he just glanced it in and the ball in from Tavernier. We've said, uh, I think what was the thing we said yesterday about um, sort of the post we put out about sort of sucking the, the power from Johnson to. Uh, for Tavernier in terms of the crossing there was a couple of moments where Tav took it and I thought what are we doing why are we giving it to Tav um, but yeah no I have to yeah, I have to give him props for that but um, you know but going ahead I thought we, we, we fully deserved it I don't think I mean there wasn't many chances in all honesty um, yeah. all I can remember was Harry Wilson um, sort of just hitting the sort of roof of the net um, and it was just not a lot in the game so when we when we took the lead at that point um it wasn't really a surprise. I think the game was always going to come down to either a mistake or a set piece, um, really, given how both teams play. Yeah, and obviously the set pieces are pretty much Cardiff's massive strengths. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen him score well for Morton play, I don't think, in the last couple of years. Um, but I think Borough did very well yesterday. I think I know Dana mentioned it there, saying Borough caught very, very well in that four-three-three. I think they were excellent in there as well. That extra man in midfield at times, um, obviously they 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 were in a bit more of a four three one, then moved to a four four two. But it was more of a case of we caught really well. We had the extra man at times. We were able to to try and get forward. I know creating creating a chance wasn't really going to happen. I think in open play, and then we'll come on to that as well. I think I know we keep saying we're going to come on to come, come on to it, but it, it, <laughs> yeah. it is going to open a, a good discussion. But I think with the four three three, I think it really played in the Borough's hands yesterday, um, and I think we were definitely deserving of a point. But else, obviously, we have seen Cardiff. Go to a four four two. Uh, Gratz will come on. Obviously, he was Woodgate's pretty much main sign. He really wanted Gratzel to come in, um, but then obviously he, he signed for, for Cardiff instead last season. Um, they looked a lot more dangerous. Do you think Borough could have maybe changed as well that time? I know I've said that four three three 
helped us. Dana said we look really solid in there. But would you have liked to see Borough maybe move to like a three-five-two, or maybe take a midfielder out and go four-four-two as well, and bring Johnson, uh, Johnson, bring Roberts uh, in the game as well? Because it seemed like we just missed that creative yeah. spark that we we really look for. Yeah, I think um, from from them changes that that four-four-two. You know what worked for us in that four three three is is opposite to what hasn't worked in the three five two. What I was saying last week of that you don't have an overlap. Um, but the, you know the wing backs are trying to do it all themselves, and I think obviously we ha- having the overlap of Dykesdale and and Bowler, who both had thought had excellent games and getting in behind to the byline. Um, you know, you're then not central enough. So when they were just trying to play route one and get it into two strikers into the box and then second balls of in, you know, the centre midfielders behind them, we need someone else centrally. So if you switch to the three five two, you've got three central defenders then who can who can try and obviously fend off um Kiefer Moore and, and Glatzel. So um, you know, we we held on obviously for for a point which I think we we'd have all took at the start of the game really. Absolutely, yeah. Um but you know, I think just changing it up would have, two obviously give us a bit more defensive stability from their set of pieces, but also maybe give them something to think about. If we cleared and Roberts got on the ball, it's a lot more dangerous than any of the other players getting on the ball, and they would have had to need leave maybe one or two more players back because um, they were just pushing forward in in that last sort of ten fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah I think sorry, I think it goes back to what I mentioned the Reading game that we weren't really taking a risk, we weren't gambling and. I think that was fine in the Cardiff game because they have the quality on the counter-attack with Ojo, uh, Murphy, Wilson. You know, they've they've got some good players there. Yeah. So I think uh, it was probably a good decision from Warnock to maybe not bring Roberts on. Although I, I, I get the the argument, of course, I think we needed an outlet. But it's stick or twist, isn't it? Do you go and try to go, go for the, the win and maybe get caught in the counter-attack with the pace that they, they do have. Yeah, I know they were going long ball, they were they were very much direct, but they've still got that quality, you know, in attacking players. Or do you settle for the point? I think a point is a is a really good result. It, it maintains that on being run, maintains the momentum. Um, so I do understand why the risk wasn't taken there. Yeah, and when you say those names, obviously what Cardiff have got, you've got Murphy, Wilson, Ojo as well. They're three really good attacking players and it baffles me that they're really relying on set pieces Cardiff you know there could be a really fluid side but they're just not um which is I, I don't know why I feel like they, they should be a team that should be taking that extra that extra step and trying to get on the front foot and make things really difficult for teams um but for whatever reason Neil Harris just wants to be a, a very direct I think he's, he's, a, he's had that style for a while hasn't he and I think um you know there's no kind of right or wrong style I think obviously yeah. <coughs> I think Sometimes when you, I guess it depends on what trying to argument you, you're trying it's about to grind out results. I guess but about, about grinding out results. And I think um, you know some managers are just kind of about that. Whereas you get your you know the Pep Guardiola's of the world, and obviously you need the certain players to play it. But I think they do have the players to play a passing game. But they just like say the you probably find it that if you get Keith Moore up front, you play his strengths really, don't you? I guess. But yeah, he's just picking up from where Neil Warnock left off. Really, their foundations are to be difficult to beat. And it was like I said, you know, the, the physical battles, they were not going to allow Borough to feed off scraps, essentially, and they weren't going to allow them to have many chances. It wasn't a game full of chances. It was never going to be. And I think there was always going to be, you know, one goal in the game for, for either side. I think a draw was a good result in the end, yeah. a fair result as well. Well, when I watched the uh, highlights back, um, 
and you could probably hear the like the players shouting and everything on it. And on the corners, um, they were really shouting and screaming like Mark Morsey, Mark Morsey, Mark Sam Morsey. And I think obviously the the physical side of the game is like obviously bringing in people like Sam Morsey, but also people like George Savile and House and stepping up the games in terms of like. It's almost like how Mourinho is on that on the documentary saying, you know, people are going to be physical with you. You need to be it back. Um, and I think Warnock will be saying, you know, similar things along those lines. Um, and they'll have known. And Keith Moore has said to them, you know, Sam Morsey's going to try and rally you up in the box. He's going to, you know, really back into you. He's going to fling his elbows everywhere. Um, and you know, that's the type of team and, and you know the style of play we're going to play going forward. So yeah, um, and I know you're saying I was. I'll, I really like Sam Morsey. I think he's gonna. I think he's a I really, really well. good signing for us, and hopefully, we are creating that spine of really difficult team to beat. We're not going to concede many this season, but it's also trying to score some. And I think, I think we're struggling with that point of point of view. And but Dana Warnock said in his, in his pre uh, press match conference at the end, he said, "I'm disappointed. Um, I thought we did enough to win it. I'm disappointed with the goal. It's a foul from the start." Will Will Vox uh, block Savile to Kiefer Miller for a free header? Referees at this level should be able to see that. It's a disgrace, really. Um, I don't really have a, a good impression of Neil Warnock, so that's probably the best you're going to get. Um, <laughs> but does he have a point? Was it a foul? I think it was. But having said that, I think if it was on the flip side, uh, Neil Warnock would, would probably not say anything if it was um, you know, a Borough player blocking a Cardiff player. But I think you, you look at the intent from Will Vaux, it's, it's never to you know, try to defend. Um, it's more just to block George Savile off. And he did it, well, he tried to do it for the goal that, that we scored because it was Will Vox that was grappling all over Savile. I don't think from the point that the corner was taken, he took his hands off uh, Savile's shirt. Um, so I think the tactic was there, quite obviously there, for Will Vox to be the one to to really get maybe a little bit too physical in, in the box. But you could see the argument of, well, it happens. It's Maybe some people say it's not a foul because it's just clever play. I don't know. But for me... It was a foul. You can see all he's doing is looking at Savile, and it's quite clear that he's just going to block him off. I, th- I thought it was a bit soft. Um, in all honesty, I think if it was in the Premier League and VAR was involved, it might get given. But I thought it was a bit soft. I mean, there was a couple of different angles, but one of them it, it wouldn't show it until like the, the kind of moment had passed. But the only one that I kept sort of rewinding it and, and looking back at it, and I thought it just looked as though Savile just kind of just ran into him blindly. He just like trying to nut him or something. Mm, I was yeah, like, that, I suppose yeah. that's the argument. Yeah, um, and I was kind of like, he could have got round him. I don't think it looked as though Will Volk was like proper trying to stop him. It was like it just looked as though George Savile ran into him trying to look for the foul. Um, so I don't, I don't think there was. For myself, I don't think there was much in it, really. But you've you've got to argue those as a manager, and I think it was the other way around. He probably wouldn't say anything. It's it's yeah, yeah. Look, a lot of things happen at set pieces. You know what I mean? Sometimes a, a striker can try and hold the keeper's arm to try and uh, make sure he can go it, for the cross. It's such a, a restricted bit. like space, yeah. isn't it? So you know, there's always going to be some of it to try and get the advantage to get in front, isn't it? Yeah, so. there's always going to be little advantages that's going to be made. Like obviously, going to be trying to hold keeper's hand. Like I mentioned, there's also going to be like a, a, like holding the players, grabbing each other's shirt. Uh, you know, might someone like, uh, try a little dig at the rabbit punch in the back of someone's kidneys? You just never know these days. Obviously, what's that piece? Could be biting on the arm. Could be biting on the arm. You know, maybe someone giving each other a kiss. You just don't know. Like it's it's set pieces. It's something that we don't really see. Speaking of shirt, like, what did you think of that one uh, yesterday? What the, the, the new the third kit? Yeah, the third kit. 
The keeper oh, kit was awful. Man. Let me just throw that out there. Yeah. That, that Leeds goalkeeping kit was uh, was a choice. Yeah. Not, not really keen on that. But I don't know. Like, first thing, I was like, ah, oh, I quite like it. And then the more and more I see it, I'm like, it, I don't want to say it, but I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. Yeah. I, and the, the reason why I say it is I, just, I, just, I don't like the, the drawing on it. Yeah. Like, I just feel like... A, they tried I'll... to make it very Mima-esque, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what's the word? Like, geometric lines and stuff. Yeah. And, mm. It was a little, yeah, I thought it was a little bit average, and I, I didn't read the full article, and uh, if it's helping, um, or if the, the money's going towards the MFC Foundation, if it is, then I kind of think, well, you know, fair play, but, but I, I was kind of saying this before we brought one out, I didn't think we were going to bring one out this season, unless there was going to be a clash of kits at some point. Um but I was saying third kits are just an absolute farce. Like, they, they don't need to be a thing. Obviously, the clubs are doing it at the moment and more clubs are doing it than what they need to because of, the, the you know, it's additional revenue for them. Um, but really, unless you're in, like, a European competition, you don't need it. Um, it's just an extra revenue drive. Um, yeah. And you see clubs like West Brom doing it where their kit is exactly the same design on but just three different colour palettes. And it's like, that is so lazy. But pe- people will buy it because obviously the fans of the club, and you're spending maybe like 150 quid on, on three kits um, because people just will because it's, it's their club. But yeah. it's uh, I don't think it's it's really needed in all honesty. I'm going to throw it out there, maybe, rather than like the, the lines of like the outline of the stadium, you could have maybe put like a transporter bridge on there, maybe, or like a palm on there. A palm oh, on there. <laughs> what I was thinking is, you know, the Captain designs Cook. from Horny for Warney on <laughs> my butt cheek <laughs> on the sides. No, do you know the um, the late nineties kits and how it has that repeated like borough badge and transporter yeah. bridge design? Like it's very subtle pattern patterning on the shirt. Like have that, make it a little bit clean, a little bit like simpler. And just don't have those like geometric lines going over the badge as well. It was, it was. I don't know. It's one of those that I think I need another week and a half at least to like decide whether I actually like it or whether I don't. Yeah, we probably probably won't wear it for a while now. We've probably only done it because of bringing it out, and then we'll only do it now for a kick. Wear it badge. once. Yeah. yeah, wear it once, never wear it again. I think Brentford will probably wear it. Yeah, that's where we yeah. normally do it, don't we? Oh yeah. no, because we've got that um, black and blue, haven't we? So. Oh, but then they wear red and black. So it's like kind of we probably will wear. Oh, they were they were red and white. Yeah, but black shorts. Black shorts. Oh, we'll change the shorts. Yeah, yeah. We'll, ch- we'll probably have those bloody yellow ones from that promotion season because for some reason we just bring that yellow kit out all the time, don't we? I'm throwing it out there, right? And I, I want. I, you like throwing things I out there, don't you? I like throwing it out there just because it's just like a. <laughs> just put my point on if if I get pelters, I get pelters on like death threats. You know what I mean? Like I get it. Um, but for a third kit, right? I think you should bring back a retro shirt every season for like so like then so the like the one you're wearing now Dana you could wear that you could wear mm-hmm. that that uh, the the blue and black one I, I went colorblind for a second there um <laughs> take, or like take do, that you know, dress all over again. do you know like the <laughs> remember that <laughs> do you know um that uh, away shirt I think it was in 97 where like it was the white one the blue and white one where it didn't have the borough badge on it remember vaguely it's like the Arreo one um, you could bring that one back home. Could do like something similar design. You know what I mean? Bring rather than like try and reinvent the wheel. Why don't you bring like a retro shirt out, but like get a, like home design on it? You know what I mean? I feel like that'd be Up- really update it. Yeah, like twenty twenty. Like, yeah, like yeah. update. I think that'd be so cool. But hey, Let's throw it out there to Bora. Send them an email. I've, I've made my point. I made my point. You know, we, we <laughs> I, I checked the analytics. I know someone from here was listening. <laughs> it's Warnock. <laughs> I know it's Warnock. <laughs> uh, to be honest, I think Warnock is just. He's listening to our podcast, that preview one, went, right, 
Okay, he's he said I'm he's gonna get honey for one in his butt cheek. I'm gonna prove you wrong, sir. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna get promotion and uh, and and do it. But back to my original point where I was gonna take everything. Um, Warney did say that we deserve to win, Dana. Comes on the creativity piece that I want to chat about. But I had one shot on target yesterday. Uh, we had one shot on target against Bristol City. We had no shots on target against Reading. Uh, we're third bottom for shots on target in the league. Um. Can you argue, right, Borough being really clinical um, with the chances, or do we severely lack creativity? I think we do lack creativity. I mean, you can... The stats don't look good, but at the end of the day, we're unbeaten in, what was it, six? Unbeaten in six, yeah. So... I think why we are unbeaten in six is that back line. We, we're we obviously building confidence at the back, which is fantastic. But going forward, yeah, there's obviously uh, obviously work that needs to be done. But I was looking at some stats as well. Six shots on target against Barley, Barnsley is seven shots on target against Bournemouth. It's You have to look at the context of the games, I suppose. It's like the Cardiff game yesterday. Like I mentioned, it was never going to be a game full of chances. It was never going to be a game full of shots on target or shots, period. So, yeah, like I said before as well, the four-three-three isn't the best formation for us going forward. If we don't play Patrick Roberts, if we do play Patrick Roberts, I can see the outlet there for us. But creativity is always going to be Boris Achilles' heel. It's it has been for a considerable amount of time. It will be for a considerable amount of time to come. Um, it's just I think the most important thing for us right now, given last season you know the Cardiff game last season being quite uh considered um written quite well against them because of our bad defense our leaky defense and we've said it a few times on this podcast about that leaky defense and we've said the word leaky quite quite a lot but the most important thing for us is to solidify that back line and we we are you know we're doing that right now the confidence is building from that so I'm not I'm not that worried at the moment with Borough going forward um, just because of the defence at the back. I think if the defence was, was, you know, Jonathan Woodgate-esque, then fair enough, it would be a, a major issue because if you can't defend, you have to score. Um, I mean, you have to score anyway, but defence is, is fine. Obviously, we need refinement up front. You have to score. Good tip. Good tip, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Lord on the podcast today. Well, if you don't shoot, you don't score. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, I think uh, I think Ian Smith put a tweet out about it. it was maybe after the the Bristol City game, and it was, you know, it's uh, like like Dana alluded to there. You, you have to build from the back first, and then that comes later. You know, Karanka done it when he came in. Um, Mogo done it as well. You, you kind of you will get maybe some of these results whether under two point five, if you will, um, and then hopefully as your sort of you know your training comes into play a few months down the line, you maybe get that extra signing in, which obviously is, is Roberts now, maybe someone else in January or a free agent in the next week or two, um, then, you know, you can maybe look to to capitalise a bit more. Um, but there is those games where you have to take it in context. I think, you know, if we then go and win the next two games, 2-0 against sides who are maybe not as tough as the last three we've come up against, mm-hmm. and we have six or seven chances in those games, it looks a bit better. Um, but yeah, looking at those stats, it's not great because, you know, if you only have one shot on target, Luckily, we scored them both, but that's probably, you know, if you're going on on XG expected goals, we probably weren't really expected to, to you know, to really get a result out of, out of games. In all yeah. honesty, but I think, um, you know, being clinical and getting that, we're not going to get that every week. And some weeks, if we don't 
create more than you know one or two chances we're not going to score and then if the other team gets something we'll, we'll come away with zero points you've got to you know the more chances you, you create the more likely you are that you're going to score so I think we do need to start creating more but I think um, we'll, we'll give it these sort of next two hope games against teams lower down and if if that kind of puts us in a better position in, in the league table of like shots on target and things um, and evens out then I think it's looking a bit more promising yeah, well, maybe to combat it, um, Ben Suggett sends a, a question. He said, uh, should Warnock try and find a way to get Roberts, Britt and Tuber in the team? Do you think that could potentially maybe change things? I think that'd be really good, yeah. Um, we seen yesterday with the, the 4-3-3 that the, the main striker's isolated. He needs someone else. Um, and then if you've you know, you've know got if you've got three in midfield when you're playing the 3-5-2, if Roberts is sat in front of the other two, yeah. um, I, think, I think we should probably do that in a game where we expect to capitalise like a home game against Coventry. I think that's where that would be really good. Um, when we're going away to maybe Bristol Cities, it's maybe best where you have um, Roberts playing off one of the strikers and you've got three midfielders to kind of break up play, be physical, win second balls, um, and all of that all of that good stuff, all of that ugly side of the game. Um, but yeah, I think if you if you wanted to try and break down a team and we're going to come and sit in at the Riverside, um, then having two strikers and Patrick Roberts will give us that edge. Yeah, I think it really will. I think Warnock's hands are tied at the minute where, you know, you've got Fletch out, you haven't got a fourth striker either. So you've got to be really... And obviously, Britt just came back and from injury, yeah, as well, that and injury as well. So things, you've yeah. got to be really careful. I think he's, his, his hand's been forced, obviously, with a one striker. Roberts isn't 100% fit as well. Um, I, and I think in an ideal world, I think you would love to have Roberts, Tuber and, and, and Britt up front. I think that cre- that gives us creativity. It gives us that spark that we need. But also, if we went to that three-five-two. You've got McNair and Dyke still there. And when you play over three at the back, your centre your halves can create different angles if we were to play that long ball. Um, and B director Neil Harris says that we are. Um, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, like when, when you've got that there, when you've got McNair, I'd like to see. I would like to see McNair on the right hand side of the centre half, but obviously he can't play there because I don't think Dyke still has a left foot um, on him. So it's uh, obviously when we're creating those chances. You know, we can maybe start winning the second balls and Roberts gets on the football and starts playing out wide for maybe Johnson or for Spence or whoever's playing on that right wing role to, to, to get in the box and hopefully create chances. But there's a lot to talk about, I think, and there's a lot of options that Warner could potentially have in the next few games. But this is so relentless this season. It's going to, it's, yeah, we, 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 yeah, with small squads, I think sometimes uh, the ideal formations and, and, um, things you'd like to play, maybe you'll just go out the window and we'll just kind of do with what we've got at the time, yeah. um, and, and you know play to your, you know what's available. I think um, you know we haven't been too, but obviously Fletcher is is, is going to be a big miss. But um, you know if we get a couple more, it's going to be quite dangerous again. I think obviously I, I'm really surprised that um, McNair's played how much he has given the, obviously the international break, and I think it's going to become a point where. It'll be a bit of burnout, especially for McNair and Savile, um, because I think they're probably mainly the only two, I guess, who are playing internationally. Um, I can't think of anyone else off the top of my head, but you know they're, they're going to have to rotate at some point, and they're, they're quite pivotal players um, in the starting eleven. So, yeah, there's going to come games where we're just going to have to dig in, and some players are going to have to come on. Nathan Woods going to have to come on up front, um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, banging a hat trick or something. So, yeah, yeah, well. I want th- this question down. It's quite it's quite difficult to answer, but obviously, we've said about it quite a lot. Free agents. What? Who are you going to really look for? I, I, obviously, if you haven't been picked up now, it's it's like, well, is there why? 
and then is there should we really be looking for them or should we just try and stick with with what we've got I don't really know what Warnock's stance is on it anymore because I know that before the end of the window, he put it out there as he if... He said we're definitely going to get one, didn't he? Yeah, it was like a definite, wasn't it? But yeah. he's cooled his stance on it somewhat and, yeah, like you mentioned there, I do have to question whether we'll go in for anybody because of free agents not being picked up yet. I know there's the, the striker list that we looked at wasn't great. I know we mentioned it last week when Tom was on the podcast. It was just a throwback of names like uh, Marvin Emnes, Biggish, Barg Betcher. You know, it's... I, I can't I can't really look at anyone and say, yeah, for definite, this is, you know, a, a good player for us. So I'm I'm not sure really what we can do with the with the free agents. Do you just pick anybody up because, well, not anybody, but we, you just pick someone up because it's a, a space in the squad because we do have a very threadbare squad plus the injuries that we've got. I don't know what, what Warnock's going to do, to be honest. I think it's, it's probably, you know, happened that whoever it was who we thought as a definite, um, they might have done something where it was, you know, even just something, look up an injury past or... Or something else, or the you know they've even brought him in for a trial or something. It hasn't worked out. Um, but yeah, the, the, some of the names that were mentioned are just kind of living off not even past glories, but just living off the fact that oh yeah, they used to play for so and so, they must be all right. But really, the the terrible. They'll, they'll probably want big wages, and the agents will be pushing for that. They'll be like, oh, because you're a free agent and they're not paying transfer fee, you can get you can push Every your wages morning. up a little bit. But we're not gonna we're not gonna play hardball for it. We'll just say, look, if you want to come, accept our wage terms. We. It's not even the fact that the club doesn't have any money. It's a case of football in general is is out. Maybe apart from the Premier League, but you know the, the football league in general is struggling. So if you're holding out for a couple more grand, you, you're just being selfish, really. You you want to play football, or so all footballers say they want to play football. You'd go anywhere for. You're not, you're not going to hold out for a difference from 7k to 10k. 7k a week is still a very very good wage. <laughs> um, you know compared to most working class people. So. Um, you know, I think that the quality must just not be there for them, and they're, they're holding out for too much. So I, th- I don't think we'll, I don't think we'll land one at all. Yeah, honestly. I don't think so either. I think we will probably end up riding with what we've got until January, and I suppose we'll see what happens, what fares with the squad there, because injuries and all Fletcher's out already until about January. Um, Brit is. I don't think he wanted to bring Brit on yesterday, but Chubrat Pomer. I think he said he worked so hard, and, and you know, yeah. So. I don't know. I, I think we will probably stick it out until January, but it, it is risky given the the squad that we've got. Yeah. Well, I think there's uh, you've said some really good points there. I think there's there's one question down before I want to move on to a certain player in particular. But we are twentieth in the possession stats as well, and we've both spoke we both spoke we spoke <laughs> about um, we spoke about lack of possession, fatigue players. Could you potentially see Warnock maybe change his style slightly um, to try and compa- combat the, the, the low possession stats? Maybe, like, if we have more possession of the ball, we could maybe reduce our energy um, to some extent because you let the ball do the work. And obviously, you sent the forwards, so you're going to be running more. But, I mean, in terms of your centre half, when you've got more possession, you're going to be less defending, less man marking, less strain on the, on, on the brain as well. So it's quite a lot of things you could potentially work on, but can you really see Warnock maybe trying to change his style a little bit to try and get us on the front foot and keep the ball and have high ball retention, or could you see him slowly focusing on be hard to break down, work on a solid foundation? If we get a chance, you've got to put it away. I think the latter. I think what Neil Warnock has with his teams is that they are 
hard to break down, you know, the hard to beat, essentially. I don't think that he will change his style of play. It seems to be just the Warnock way of getting results. You know, it's it's been successful, you know, eight, a record eight promotions out of this division. So I can't see him changing it. I think he will probably stick with the style of play that he's so accustomed to. Um, I mean, it, it's all dependent on the squad, isn't it? I mean, you could, well go back to days at Cardiff and Rotherham and say, well, he didn't change there, but Borough do have a, a difficult like, you know, a difficult squad to work with in the lack of numbers. Yeah, I, I think we will do it, um, but just not very often. I think we'll do it in these games where, as I mentioned, with Covent reason, people where we're at home, if we go into a 1-2-0 lead um, and we're playing this Saturday, Tuesday every week, I don't think there's a need for us to kind of go long and then chase second balls because we already have the lead. So I think we'll we'll just try and just keep hold of the ball. I think, obviously, if we go into a lead and then whether we're playing a back four or a back five, he'll just say, you know, keep hold of the ball um, at the back and try a slower build-up play because like, it will just kill you um, if you're just trying to force it long. I know then they have to play out, but it, again, it's that not even just physical tiredness but mental tiredness of you being the one always having to then try and chase down and, and press um, and mark up. So if you just keep hold of the ball, they can't do anything. So I think, and it did, it, it, we done it in some games last year. When, I think the first game was against Stoke. We didn't, we went quite route one in that. And obviously I think we had 30% possession, obviously won the game 2-0, two, two was it? Um, and then, but there was other games where I know we lost it. Um, we, we really shouldn't have against Hull, um, where we actually had more possession in the game. So I think against teams who are, generally poorer than poorer than us in terms of just the, the quality on the pitch um i think we will have more position not not kind of blow them away kind of 60s or high i think but it'll be either even or you know 55 45 split um mm. and i think that'll then give us some extra energy if you, you know if that's on a saturday and then you go into the tuesday someone like mcnair might be able to do a 70 minutes um rather than you know not be able to play because he's tied himself out from running all over the, the place so I think we will do it, but just not very often because I, I think um, majority in, in away games, we probably won't do it. I think in home games, we might do it more often. Okay, then. So let's move on. Uh, let's chat about a player who's impressed us this week. Um, so George Savile, uh, the Northern Irish international squad, two and two, uh, one against Bristol City and one with a beautiful header yesterday. Um, Sam, Tom asked us the question is, what's our thoughts on, on George Savile? But else, um, are we starting to see the player that we thought we bought from Millwall. Is goal, a goal, goal scoring midfielder? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, possibly. Um, I think we've always kind of said this, haven't we? And um, he's a player we've chatted about a lot, and I think he, he does have real quality. I think um, I think playing now in this system really suits him. I think obviously a, a manager like Warnock is bringing out the best in him. I think he's um, now been here a couple of years. He's becoming a more established member of, of sort of the dressing room um, and probably made good friends in there as well um, yeah and I, I think we're, we're starting to see the best of him uh, again you could put down the price tag I think football landscapes obviously changed now in, in terms of that money but um, he's never really been a bad player I think he, he he does a lot of things very well and I'm quite I'm really happy for him that he's got two in two yeah it was my surprise of the season just thrown out there yeah, we won't was, go into yeah. mine um, <laughs> don't it had me creased <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if he does well on wherever he's went to, I'm claiming it. Sam's where's he went? Where, where's he went to? Fleetwood. Fleetwood. Right, if he gets promoted with Fleetwood, I'm claiming it. <laughs> you can take it. Well, look, 
we we did say on that podcast that if he came through this, he had, he had to come through this season. Yeah, the lack of depth of centre halves. You know, you thought. I think it was a good shout. I thought, you know what? Yeah, he could actually come through here, come here. But uh, Fleetwood. Um, so <laughs> yeah, what Warnock hates uh, hates youth. He listened. Sense. He listened to the podcast and just went. Nah, yeah. so I'm, come in, mate. Come in, mate. So I've got a bid from uh, for Fleetwood here. That's what, so, yeah. When we were mentioning people like um, uh, Steve Walker and Sam Stumps and uh, even calls them that, he was like, nah, not having any of them. Yeah, uh, well, George Savile, I'm taking that one for now. Um, Yoshi will play three awful games and I won't get booed yeah, out. He probably will. Booed out on Twitter. Um, but <laughs> are, you, are, there any, are you surprised at how well Savile's been performing this season? Do you think he's starting to silence some of those boo boys now that. I know that Elliot mentioned there that price tag it's never going to go away unless he scores like a triple bicycle kick and you know becomes like Maradona or something but do you think he's starting to silence the boo boys? I think he is yeah goals will always silence uh, boo boys uh, one there but I think we've probably got to start putting a little bit more respect on his name to be honest myself included because I know I have criticised him I don't think the criticism was necessarily unfair like Elliot said he's not been a bad player he's just been underwhelming and that price tag doesn't help, but he's finally found his role, I think, this season because you know Sam Morsey coming in and him and House and offering that protection behind him. It's fantastic that, that Morsey has essentially allowed Savile to become the player that we wanted him to be. But without taking, you know, I don't want to take any credit off Savile here. I think even with that, you still need to take your opportunity and he's done that and two goals in two games is, is brilliant for him. And I think I, I listened to an interview he, he had with Northern Ireland where he said that a goal is coming for him um, for Northern Ireland and obviously it's spilled into his uh, his club uh, as well. He's getting into good positions and uh, I think far too often with Savile, we've seen him sort of pigeonholed in a position that isn't his and it's what I absolutely hate with midfielders was trying to put players in positions that just it just doesn't go to to their strengths it doesn't really suit their strengths well and he's finally in a position where he is you know at Millwall he was that player that entered the the box late and uh, sort of that Lampard-esque in that sense and you know we're finally starting to see it and, and all credit to him he's he's been really good this season yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say that that defensive organisation I think really helps him last year he looked at poor because we were so bad at defending yeah. he then had to help out a lot and you're thinking what is he offering to the team because at every other pe- he was trying to do other people's jobs um, mm-hmm. And I think when we have that defensive organisation, it allows him to get into, I think, as you said there, you know, that, that Lampard role. It, it's not quite a number 10, it's like number 8 drifting in the half spaces. Um, and I think when Housen and, and Morsey are maybe a little bit further behind him and winning back the ball, he drifts in those half spaces. And, he, he, you know, it's only like little moments where you can obviously pick out, but, you know, where he was in that spot and then he passed it through to Johnson and Johnson dragged it wide. Um, but those little pockets of space where he's not picked up on... Um, and that was obviously when they switched to a four four two as well, and we still had the three in midfield. Yeah. Um. It then obviously gave him more space to get into it. So, yeah. Yeah. He, for me, he's, he's been excellent uh, this season. I think if he continues to to play regular and be in that position and get that like, consistency flowing, we're gonna have a really really good player on our hands this year. Um. I know a lot of Borough fans are not gonna. I don't know. They're not gonna. Not going to be, he's not going to be the first player on the sheet, is he, for a lot of fans? But I feel like soon, if he has that consistency level, I think he's going to he's going to be a player that we can't really play play without. To be honest, but 
Els, we, we, we haven't seen Lewis swing in the last few games. Is it, is it a case that George Savile is playing in that role at the minute where, uh, where uh, Lewis Swing could potentially feature and is he essentially keeping Lewis Swing out of the team? I think Lewis Wing's keeping Lewis Wing out of the team, in all honesty. <laughs> um, I think he's just... He's not he's not going to get into a, a Neil Warnock side. He doesn't have the work rate for it in midfield. Um, he doesn't. He's not that type of... You know, he's almost like a... Um, and if you know you want like if you want to say Lampard and you know poor man's something, then he's a poor man's like almost like Thiago. And I know that's a, a stretch, but he's somewhere where he's not going to, he's not going to be very getting stuck into the ball. Did you just oh, wait, wait, wait. Did you yeah, just, I did just compare say, I, wing to Thiago. Yeah, no, Thiago, I, did, I did say Thiago I did say, is the best midfielder in the game. No, I like, did say I did say poor man's. I'm meaning that he how, is. How poor are we talking? Very, um, <laughs> but no, I, I'm I'm more meaning on the fact of that he's not going to get. On the defensive side of things, he's he's going to be one where he's just kind of, you know, looking to spray passes and and just. I'm not, I'm trying, to say, I'm not trying to say. I know what you mean. I know what Thiago's game like, is not that simple, but he's not a very physical player. Um, yeah, I know what you mean as well. They're trying to spray the passes as well. Yeah, but he's, so he's, he's obviously not. I, I know. We're, I know. I'm going to get absolutely tortured for this. Um, I shouldn't have said Thiago at all. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I don't think Wing is is going to get in unless he starts to show a lot more and I think that the other midfielders that we've got are of a higher quality um, than him you uh, might get that at some point from injuries and things um, but again he's one of those where it falls into what position he's played the deep lying role I don't think he necessarily suited it because you've got to defend a lot he's yeah. played number 10 you've got to have a bit more about you in terms of the intelligence of getting into the space um, and then it's kind of like the number 8 or a, you know, like a box to box midfielder I don't think he has that you know, work rate either, so it's kind of like where does he where does he fit in? Uh, I would say he's probably more of number eight. I would, I would say he's more of a number eight. Well, he's quite he's quite static, isn't it? Bo- and he's I don't, box I don't to think box, we... but he needs someone with him to like control his his yeah. his Because I know we've said a lot of times about about Lewis Wing that his 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 play off off the ball isn't as strong as it as it could be. But that doesn't mean that like he can't become a, a really really good player for us in the future. I just think it's just at this moment in time, I think. St- the likes of Savile's keeping up the team. Sam Morsey's that defend that, the defending line midfielder. Johnny Houston is that box to box number eight midfielder for us that we probably we probably need as well. So I think it's quite difficult. I for think he I, falls I, into I, that category of yeah. um, Ravel Morrison last season, where you know unless you're doing well as a team, Lewis Wing doesn't seem that he's he's doing well. And I think you Ravel Morrison wouldn't get into this side either. I don't think he don't think he'd get a game. I think you've got to be someone where we're not trying to play. Over all of the midfielders, it's got to be where you've got to get them on the ball that allow them to dictate the play. Um, and I think Wings a bit like that as well. So mm. obviously, Dana, we've got so many games. You know, we've uh, this season it's, it's Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday um, for for the majority of the season. But do you think you should bring Wing in maybe for Tuesday night, just given give start give people a rest a little bit because Savile's been away international duty as well, McNair again as well. So would you look to maybe bring Lewis Wing in? Just to rotate things around, keep things fresh? Potentially. I mean, it's the right opposition, I would say, Coventry. They, they've they struggled at the start of this season and we'll obviously go on to it uh, just in a little bit. But the thing with Wing is he's, he's good at dictating play from deep. But I think I mentioned it a few podcasts ago that when the play is coming towards him, that's when you see how out of his depth he yeah, is. Yeah, so if, you know, if you're... Playing, I don't know. I can't remember if he played in the the two cup games this season, but um, I think that's where you yeah, then allow it. If you're going to be constantly in the, the opposition's half because you're the better team, then Wings are a very good player to have. 
because he can sit back and he can pick out those passes to break teams down. Yeah. Um, but if you're going to be a game where it's going to be quite an even game, it's going to be and in the championship it is. So I really feel unless like I can't remember if he played in that Shrewsbury game, but that would have suited him like a game like that. Um, so I can't see where he's going to fit in. Like I said, he he might at some point just because of we have to and we don't have a choice. Um, but yeah, unless he starts to show more in that side of the game and adapt his game a little bit, then then yeah. All right, then okay. Well, let's move on and chat about Coventry then, Dana and Els. I'll leave the mic to you guys. Um, but Mark Robbins decided they haven't bef- haven't really started the season off very well. They were one of my picks of the season to to relook at this year. I thought they'd be they'd do pretty much. I think they would uh, be up on around the the top ten, but it doesn't seem to be uh, the start they wanted. But I'll pass the mics over to you and break them down. Yeah, I was looking at their their last game against Blackburn. They lost that four nil. Uh, they were playing a three four two one formation, and just looking at a few of their weaknesses, uh, they've conceded fourteen goals already this season, which is the second most in the division, just uh, behind uh, Wickham. Um, and I think a lot of that is to do with the, they don't have any pace in their back three. Um, which I think is is killing them with the amount of uh, attacking players that that this division has, um, pacey players at that as well. Um, I think if we press them high, we could really get at them. I think they could really struggle uh, with a high press. Um, If if we don't, they could get something out of the game because they do have some good players, um, Hamer, Dabo, O'Hare, Gordon, some really good players in that Coventry team. But Dabo O'Hare is fantastic. Yeah, really re- like him. yeah, really good. He looks talent, like he looks he? like a B Tech Jack Grealish, but <laughs> yeah, majestic. Go on, sorry. Yeah, he, he is a good player, um, but you know, there's there's a lot of naivety in that team, and I think where that comes from is they've had such a good start of play under mm-hmm. Matt Robbins in League One. They've obviously tried to bring that to the Championship, but they need to adjust. They need to tweak it. Um, very ill-disciplined this season. They've had two players sent off in the last four games. Uh, one of them was against Blackburn. Um, so they're making a lot of costly mistakes, costly errors. But like I said, they're a good team. I do like Coventry. I'd, I'd much rather Coventry stay up than you know Rotherham do their annual okey-cokey of the divisions. <laughs> like, I'm so bored with teams like that. But... Um, yeah, they they do have some some good players like I mentioned there. Here, Madabo, O'Hare, Gordon. Gordon's got three goals already this season. It's just their lack of discipline. They need to adjust to the championship and they need to adjust quickly. Yeah, I really like Mark Robbins as a coach as well. Um, he he had a fantastic career. He was at Manchester United as well. Um, and I think he does bring that discipline to the to the team. Um, but not not just not just not just discipline, but a real aggression. So you can maybe see that in, in his teams, Dan, and that. Um, they are can potentially be hard to break down. They can be horrible to play against. And I think last season, um, it it was excellent with League One. And sometimes you do tend to see teams that, when they come up from League One, they just go on this rocket ship and tend to fly up the divisions. Um, after a couple of years, like examples would be Southampton, Leicester, Shef- Sheffield United, Norwich, Norwich. Um, so there's teams that do it. And I thought they would do it similar, but but there's a long, long way to go. Um, and I think they'll be perfectly fine. But else, do you wanna? Yeah, I mean, the only other thing I noticed, obviously, is uh, they're playing a three at the back um, as well. Sometimes they have um, switched between having two up front and, um, or just having one up front. Um, majority, they've had the three four two one. 4 um, 
but yeah, I, I think obviously it'll be then interesting to see what we do. I think we, like I said, we, I think I said in the last time I was on, we were going to chop and change, and obviously we did this week going to the four three three. Um, I think again, um, I think again we might um we might chop and change formations just, you know. If we're coming up against them and trying to do the same thing, they might kind of, kind of cancel each other out. The wing backs will be aggressively trying to to push on each other, and I think a four three three could work, um, just because you have the overlaps and they've only got one one on that side. Um, so it could be a potential avenue for us. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously you mentioned uh, the avenue for us. I think they're very they tend to play with the wings quite a lot and look for that one two from the from the left winger to the centre forward, and then the, the winger tries to overlap him and to try and create space from there. Um, I think it's going to be really good opposition for us. I really do. I think it's a good test. It's a different type of test, obviously, from the from the previous games. Um, but if we're unbeaten in this one, say we're unbeaten in seven, then I'm going to ask this, ask this question. Unbeaten in seven, if we, if we were on, on, on Tuesday... Which we won't be now. We won't be now, I mentioned it. But even if we, even if we get beat, if we get beat on, on Tuesday... It seems like that Borough could be that team this year where they're not just not they're not the say like the they won't be favourites to go up. I don't expect us to go up, um, but could we be that team where we have that consistency um, and just no one really notices us? We're under the radar. Or me and my friend Colin were, were chatting about this on, uh, before I came in today. But we were saying, could we be that team where we're just consistent throughout the season? We just pick up one or two points here and there, um, and then somehow towards the end of the season we're in that in that position where we could be taken seriously and could be a team that, you know, sneak into the playoffs. We could do, because like I said, you know, Neil Warnock has the record of that, but it's just that squad that I'm thinking of that if we get a couple of injuries, especially to important players this season, like, for example, McNair, Dyke Steele, um, Savile now, mm. it, it could really sort of derail that. But I, I don't know, I think... I wouldn't put us down as dark horses, to be honest. I don't think we're okay. going to have a finish like last season where it's sort of lower mid-table. But, you know, we could we could be about maybe 10th um, mm. at, at a push. I don't know. I mean, consistency is, is what we seem to be, um, you know, we're in a good run at the moment. We've got some good momentum, but I just can't stop thinking about, like, the, the squad and if we get injuries and suspensions. If you bring in Lewis Swing, for example, we've already talked about the weaknesses that he has. Does that sort of throw the team cohesion and and performance in you know up in the air? I don't want to pin it on one player. Well, that was just the example, but um, I don't know. I get your point, but I think because I'm sort of I know it's easy to say that we could potentially get into the playoffs or sneak into those sort of positions off the back of this this good run that we're on, but we could easily get beat by Coventry and then suddenly it, it sort of changes. Yeah, I think um, I think we yeah it, we could be. Um, I know this sounds very. I don't know where I'm going with the point, but um, I think what you were maybe trying to get at, Johnny, is that I think at some point in the season, um, maybe even towards the end, it might look and go because it always is. There's kind of like five teams that can always like catch that last playoff spot, and um, I think will be one that might be in contention for that. Um, but ultimately, the maths just won't add up unless like everything swings our way. Yeah. Um, I think we'll be in like. You know that that pack where it was last year. Who was it? It was like the Blackburns and a few it others. Was you know, Millwall, Millwall, that, yeah. yeah, Millwall, Blackburn, and Preston, yeah, yeah. Preston. Maybe was it? I, I think, think so. Yeah. Um, maybe that little group. Um, where you think you know they, they could if they had a little bit more consistency about them and the teams above them started dropping points. Um, but I don't think we'll maybe reach it. So, but I think we'll we'll be in a good shout. 
Um, and I, I don't think we can really worry at this point about about relegation. So yeah, well, consistency is the word that is should describe the championship to an extent. If you have some good consistency in the championship, you are going to be there or thereabouts. Exactly, and that's what I mean. It's how tight it is. I think obviously, apart from Reading now, um, and are we three points off the playoff spots yeah. from, from like thirteenth? That's how tight it can be um, in the championship at times. So. Um, yeah, I think it's it's we we keep saying that it's almost like it's it's a little bit average, um, and you know maybe why in general people aren't really complaining about much because there's not much to complain about, <laughs> um, and I kind of hope we don't ruin that on Tuesday. Um, obviously, we've got to keep it going. And I think sometimes that one defeat can just kind of put everything back and be like, oh my god, we got beat by Coventry. They just came up last year. Um, but anything can happen, can it, in this division? Yeah, I don't think we should look at that. I think we should just, you know, focus on ourselves, be that team, grind up results, be that hard working side. And, and you know, Neil Warnock teams always grind out results. Don't know how he does it, but it's it's a it, he's a cracking gaffer. I tell you that. And I'm, I, yeah, I'd be delighted if we got promoted this year and get Horny Fawny on my backside. <laughs> um, cracking gaffer on the other cheek. Cracking gaffer on the other cheek. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, there's there's plenty to be optimistic about. But that's uh, pretty much it, guys. So thank you for, for joining me as always. And if you like this podcast, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the rest of the podcast apps like Acast as well. Um, it helps us and Bora fans find the Bora Breakdown and obviously gives you something to listen to in the in the cold, wintry nights. But uh, if you want to contribute to the Bora Breakdown as well, um, send us a DM on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook um, or email us at thebora.breakdown.hotmail.com. But if you want to message me direct at Bullock one um, on Twitter then please do so but that's it Bora unbeaten in 6 can we make it 7 it doesn't really matter there's plenty to be optimistic about but we'll find out on Tuesday this has been the Bora Breakdown Podcast and that was all of your match day chatter in the pod <laughs>